Welcome to The Healing Catalyst. I'm your host, Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh, and I know that Ayurveda can transform your life. How? Because it transformed mine. And the best part is, it's easier than you think. Your body has exactly what it needs to heal itself. All you need to do to enhance its healing power is to start practicing healthy routines, which I can teach you. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple, ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. Let's get started. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 37. Well, hello, hello, my beautiful friends, my beautiful community. And if you're new to the podcast, because there have been so many new listeners in the past month, welcome. I'm Avanti, and this is the Healing Catalyst podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Now, this episode will be going live on Thanksgiving Day. And while I hope that all of you know how incredibly grateful I am to each and every one of you, I want to say it again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am so grateful that you choose to take time out of your day to be here with me and to listen to me. I'm so grateful for the messages that you send me through email and through direct messages on Instagram. I'm so grateful for all of your reviews that you leave for my podcast and my book. I'm so incredibly grateful that all of you have helped grow this podcast by subscribing and sharing it with others. In fact, it's growing so steadily and so fast that we're on our way to becoming one of the top health and wellness podcasts out there. So thank you. And before we dive into today's episode, I also have something for all of you. I'm doing a very special event that is completely free on Thursday, December 9th at 6 p.m. Central. It's an encore session of the Energy Reset Masterclass. Now, the first time I did this masterclass back in September, over 200 people signed up and we're already on the way to surpassing that number, which I can't believe. During the masterclass, I'll teach you how to do an Ayurvedic mind-body-spirit reset from the comfort of your own home, which will help you jumpstart your health goals for 2022. I hope that you'll join me for this information-packed hour filled with tools and tips and strategies that you can start using right away. There's a link in the show notes, so please sign up there. Okay, so getting back to today's episode about the healing power of gratitude. You know, this is a really, really special episode to me. Um, probably one of the most personally significant episodes to me. I try not to cry. Because my guest, Dr. Thamit Sethi, is not only a friend, but she's also a mentor to me and someone that I deeply respect. I deeply admire and have looked up to ever since I met her back in medical school almost three decades ago. And on top of that, the work that she has done and continues to do with her patients is not only desperately needed in medicine, but deeply transformative and healing. 
Dr. Sethi is an integrative physician, speaker, and educator who has worked with thousands of patients for over a decade in a large urban hospital in Seattle serving as an advocate for marginalized populations, women, and children. And what she's discovered is that while illness may appear in many forms, it almost always stems from a common source, a disconnection from spirituality and from healthy foods that feed your body, mind, and soul. She's witnessed transformative results from practicing gratitude, prayer, breathing, cooking, and mindful eating. In our conversation, Dr. Sethi shares her journey of being a first-generation South Asian woman, her journey to becoming a physician, and her journey as a mother to a child with a life-threatening illness. She talks about the painful realizations she had after the birth of her second child and the gratitude practice that failed her. We talk about the TED Talk that she did in 2015 called Two Words That Can Change Your Life, a talk that actually changed my life because at the time I was suffering from deep emotional pain with both my children going through significant health challenges. We dive into her perspective around the criticism of gratitude as toxic positivity, and she shares some simple gratitude practices that you can start using today. I am so, so deeply honored to share with you my beautiful, heart-to-heart conversation with my mentor, my friend, my hero, Dr. Thameed Sethi, about the healing power of gratitude. Thameed, thank you so much for joining me for my podcast. I have been looking forward to this ever since we started talking about it a few weeks ago, mostly because I look up to you. You're, I'm going to start crying already. We haven't even started the interview. You know, we've known each other for a long time since medical school. I was a few years junior to you and you actually have known my husband since you were little. So there's a family connection too, but I have just been so touched by your work for so many years. I'm so honored to have you and I can't wait to talk to you and share your wisdom and your insights with my listeners, because I think that you have so much to share and so much knowledge and wisdom and such a beautiful journey that so many of us can learn from. So thank you so much for doing this with me. Oh, it's an honor and your emotions are touching me so deeply. So they're really getting at my heart. So thank you. And I'm going to take you around as my hype girl, like make me feel good whenever I don't, when I'm down. Thank you. (laughs) No, absolutely. Thank you. So I guess we'll just start with, you know, I would love for you to share about your journey, your healing story. I mean, maybe starting with your childhood and you can weave in, I mean, you're a physician, your experiences, and then your own personal story, however you want to go about it. Mm, That's such a big question. Mm. I feel like as you and I both know, um, growing up as Uh, a child of an immigrant family in a sick American home, I really felt like healing was so ingrained in my body as being something that was innate. And my mom was always practicing what I didn't know then was Ayurvedic medicine. Mm -hmm. And I was always resisting it. Like (laughs) I was, you know, in part of my rebellion to try to fit in, I think I was resisting it. And wanted the science and the Western approach, you know, and 
But I always knew that there was a mix that was more right, that there could be a middle ground. And so um, when I went to medical school to be a healer, it was inspiring and also a little disappointing because (laughs) I wanted to be, you know, a facilitator, a guide for people's healing. And what I was getting was what to throw at them and how to reduce their selves to one symptom or disease. And so it was really frustrating. And then I found um, integrative medicine, what's now called integrative medicine. When I was in medical school, I was searching for all those things that would become that. Mm-hmm. And then I studied Ayurvedic medicine and uh, do a lot of uh, mind-body medicine with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. That's a big trauma piece of work that I do. And um, I'm certified in functional medicine. So I really just put it all together and for me, it's just really all about igniting this innate healer, you know, really what is it that we can do as guides for others so that they can recognize what their own healing journey is. And that's been a healing journey for me, quite honestly. So, um, you know, I think we're, I tell residents who I teach that, you know, you're deluded if you think you just came in this to help others (laughs) and we all come in it to help ourselves. Right. And I am, you know, been working a long time with the most marginalized, traumatized communities. And you could say that it's so altruistic, but I get more from them than they get from me. And I feel like healing, whether it's with a plant, a medication, a healing practice, a meditation, a food that innate healing occurs in ourselves, right? And we are the ones who can ignite that. And so my whole life journey is really a bit about finding all the best ways for Mm -hmm. myself and for others that we can bring into that journey. So everything you said, I feel like you're speaking for me as well, because I think it's been my exact, I mean, obviously no one's experience is the same, but it is so in line with what my experience has been, you know, growing up South Asian, daughter of immigrants, first generation, and exactly that of, you know, not rejecting what I came from, but sort of like saying, okay, well, that's great, mom and dad. (laughs) That's great, Babaji. Like, you know, it's all, it's all great. And yeah, I love the food and all the culture and the traditions, but I'm going to go study real mm-hmm. medicine, right? <laughs> and then getting to medical school and, and being in training and, and the same thing happened to me is like, wait a second, what? This isn't what I thought it was going to be. And just becoming so disheartened by it. So I share so much of your story in so many ways. And that is so amazing. I mean, it's your journey of what you have done professionally. I'm really interested in talking to you about your more personal journey of mm-hmm. healing and what that's been, how it's shaped you as a physician and, and not even as a person, actually, really. Yeah. I mean, Avanti, I feel like we could talk about this for hours (laughs) because it would be the journey of belonging, the journey of loving myself, the journey of accepting who I am and my brown skin, the journey of accepting the tragedies in my life, you know, all of that together has been such a healing journey that is ever present, ever going. I think that um, what might be most prominent for me, though, is my journey as a mother, uh, because I have, um, as you know, but your listeners don't know probably that I have one of three children. 
has a very serious fatal condition called Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And, you know, it frankly rocked our world. Um, Mm -hmm. It's the exact opposite of what you want as a mother, the exact opposite. And um, that journey has led me places that I would have never imagined. It led me into pure, unconditional love and acceptance of my son, but of myself. And it led me into a way of being with patients in such deep spiritual ways that I can sit in suffering so much easier and I can work with trauma so much easier. I have so much more empathy. And frankly, what the ways that my son has healed me, this journey with him has brought me into the space with others in a completely different way as a healer. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that all suffering cracks us open in a way that if we allow it to, it allows our light to shine in the world in a way we never knew we could. I don't frankly think I'd be the healer that I am or the guide. I don't like to say healer all the time because I'm not healing anyone, but I don't think I would be in that relationship with healing with others the way that I am now uh, if it weren't for this journey of acceptance. And, um, you know, I really, uh, I mean, I remember so many points on this journey, like they were yesterday, but I remember one point where I really said to myself and to others that I sought help from spiritual mentoring and help that, you know, I knew I had the capacity to cognitively sort of muddle through this tragedy, but what I wanted was spiritual thriving. I wanted to really believe deep in my soul that my life was good and that it was worth living in a joyful way. And at that moment, when we learned that news, that seemed so far away. Mm-hmm. That seemed like it could never, how could a mother um, ever accept that as something that was joyful or good, right? And um, so that journey has been the ever-present journey that actually has unlocked the other journeys of that we all go through as humans of loving ourselves and being comfortable in our bodies and learning how to belong. I mean, it really has intricately connected to all of that. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I was watching your, your TEDx talk this morning, which if, you know, for all of you listeners, I will make sure it's linked in the show notes. It is beautiful. And you all will be listening to this on Thanksgiving day. And I can't tell you this would be such a gift Mm -hmm. to yourself and your family or whoever you're with to watch this. It's, It's like 17 minutes. And it is profound. And I was watching it again today because there were so many things I remember uh, the first time I watched it. And I actually watched it after being actually not connected to you for a few years. We both were busy in our careers, raising families. And I watched it. And I think right after that, we reconnected. And um, I was so profoundly moved by it for so many reasons, which I'll share in a couple of minutes. But there was one thing that you said that really struck me again which was that you were actually pushing your son away because all you saw was pain. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. Yeah. See, now my healing tears are coming up because um, it's such a painful thing to admit, no matter how many times I've said it publicly, I say it all the time, but to be a mother who pushed their child away feels so hard to admit, but I didn't want him because I didn't want this pain. I didn't want this life with him. 
And in my heart, I closed to him after the diagnosis and really felt like I just couldn't bear to be mothering in this way. And I think it's not, it's an extreme example, but I don't think it's unlike most of what we do in life, which is any time we see pain or challenge, we push it away. It's actually evolutionary, right? I mean, it, it's, it's our body and our hearts and our souls trying to care for ourselves. It's our neurology that doesn't serve us anymore, but mm-hmm. it really is a way of protecting, protecting us. And I didn't want all that pain. And, um, you know, it, it's so hard to admit, but it seems so normal when I look back at it. It really does. And so it was this process of unraveling that pushing away and saying, you know, how can I meet this pain? And, um, and that's not a one day process, but, it, but thankfully I have, I did go through that and I'm still going through that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that too. And because that is so hard to admit. And, you know, I think the reason that, and again, now my tears are going to come up is that it hit me again. But when I first watched it is because I was going through a lot of challenges with my children and health challenges. And you know, a lot about that, but And I can share this because both of my kids are adults and they have shared actually, you know, publicly with other people and they're okay with me sharing. But, you know, my daughter Isha suffered from an eating disorder for a few years. And around the same time, my um, older child was going through a transition. He's a trans man. And I was sort of in the same space. And I can't even tell you, you saying that and sharing that, I actually must have watched it five or six times because I was doing the same thing with both of my kids because I felt like, are you kidding? Both of my kids are going through these kinds of challenges that I feel like I have no control over. And then that physician part of you starts thinking about all the things that can go wrong, all the, the, the nightmare stories, all of the, you know, you know, all the physiology and the biology and the neurology and all of that stuff. And you just get into that place of like, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? And this isn't the way it was supposed to be. I was supposed to be, I was supposed to be helping other people heal other people, not my kids. My kids are other people though. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, and I was thinking, oh my God, what, what? And I, and I, I found myself pushing them away emotionally, right. Just going through the motions of being a parent of caring for them and and taking them to medical appointments and all these things, but the connection was gone for me. And I can't even tell you how much you helped me. It was, it was, it was your talk. And then, you know, um, a conversation with another mentor who sort of had another spiritual perspective on it for me that literally cracked me open. And so thank you for that, first of all, but thank you for sharing. Yeah. I think that you know, this idea of pushing pain away in whatever form it comes. So, you know, whether it's as a mom and you see it in your child and your child represents pain because they're going through pain or the emotional pain that you're carrying or, or how, or the physical pain you're carrying in your body. We always, we, as human beings, like you said, just try to push it away no matter what. And, and it's like, you can know all of this logically and have studied it for years as a physician, like you and I have, and still you're like, what, what am I supposed to do here? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I actually, this is going uh, back 
before his diagnosis, but um, this is <laughs> now we're getting into the real spiritual stuff, but I, uh, I know you can go there. Mm-hmm. I, even after his birth actually pushed him away, that was before knowing about this. And um, that's even harder to admit. Um, but I, I really went through a hard time postpartum. And now looking back and through some spiritual mentoring, what I've realized is that I think I knew deep down at the core of my soul that this child was going to challenge me in ways I didn't want. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's, it's been quite a journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an understatement, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's turn to your work and your, your TEDx talk, two words that can change your life. And like I shared, it actually changed mine because of these perspectives that you um, shared, you know, because I was suffering from so much emotional pain with the health challenges that my kids were going through. And there was something that you actually said, and I'm going to, I wrote these words down and I'm going to read them back to you. This is actually quoted from your talk. Okay. You said, these words, thank you, have more power than we realize. They teach us how to actively practice gratitude and not just when things go right, especially when things go wrong, even gravely wrong. Talk to me about thank you and the gratitude practice. Yeah. Well, see, I think gratitude had bad PR because everyone <laughs> thinks it's cheesy and like not a big deal and all, uh, not anymore. I think it's, it's changed a lot, but still people I find, you know, kind of look at it as kind of cheesy. Yeah. And um, we can talk about this a little later, but actually some people find it to be kind of in that toxic positivity realm. Like, right. I don't want to force it. And I have a lot of thoughts about that because I disagree with that. But in this realm way that you, and what you're referring to, um, those words, thank you, are, are way far more phenomenal than we realize. Because what we do when we say thank you is we say, I'm opening up to what is here. And like we just talked about, we were talking about pushing all that pain away. I don't want it. This shouldn't be happening. This isn't how it's supposed to be. Why is my life like this? And thank you is a simple doorway to say, no, this is what is. I welcome it in right now. And it's just, you know, some people will, many people after I speak about this all over the place will come up to me and say, you know, I'm really moved by your idea. But it, but I still not there. It's too hard. Right. And I said, well, what's hard for you? And they said, well, I just don't think I could do that. I don't think I could say thank you to the hardest things. And, and I say to them, it's just an invitation, right? I'm just inviting you to try that. I'm not saying you have to do that, right? And no one who's listening has to do that. It's not easy. And you know, in my talk, it didn't go easily for me in the beginning. But it sure feels better than what we're doing right now. And so I tell them, you know, it's just a different path. It's just one to try. But saying thank you lowers our resistance to that pain and that pushing away. By just simply saying that, it's as if I even feel in my body that I turn towards something when I say thank you instead of away. Mm, That's one to take in. It's sort of that idea of, you know, feeling into your body when you are feeling resistance and asking yourself, well, okay, so is this, do I feel resistance and open from, or sorry, do I feel resistance and closed down or do I feel open and, and, you know, expansive 
with whatever's going on, right? So it's sort of the same thing that you're saying is that when you can turn into it, into thank you rather than away from thank you. Um, Because you actually said, you know, later, a few minutes later in the the talk that, you know, you you sort of gave an equation for all the left brainers out there, which I know there's a lot of them (laughs) listening right now, which is suffering (laughs) equals pain times resistance. And that pain is what we all have. And you said gratitude fundamentally changes our relationship to pain. It removes resistance to it. And our resistance is directly related to our suffering. I love that way of thinking about it is that, you know, they're kind of like a seesaw, you know, your resistance goes up, your suffering goes up. Well, actually it's not a seesaw, but it's, you know, and they, they go, they, they move together and that the more that you can reduce your resistance, the more that you'll reduce your suffering. Right. And also something else fundamental happens when we say thank you, because when we're in pain, as you know, any human knows, we feel isolated, right? Like nobody gets it. There's no way anybody gets what I'm going through. And in a way that's true. None of us can exactly get what each other are going through, Mm -hmm. but we're all human. We get pain, right? And part of our suffering is our isolation, our, our really withdrawing from everything and everyone. And when we say thank you, we connect ourselves back. You know, we form a connection back to our life to the world, to others, you know, think about it as simple when we uh, sometimes at a meal, we say thank you to those who cooked it. Right. And and thank you to the farmers who grew it and thank you to the transporters who brought it to the market for us. And thank you to the person who sold me. You could go on and on. But all of a sudden in that one thank you, I'm now connected to this entire web of the universe that helped me get this dinner on the table. Right. And and now I'm not disconnected. Mm-hmm. And so I feel a more part of my life instead of withdrawing away from it. And that is a huge piece of joy and belonging and really finding meaning again, even when the suffering, the pain is not, I mean, my son's uh, condition is not solvable. Right. You know, it is fatal. It is genetic. It is just a time matter of time. And at the same time, so much healing can happen because we can learn how to grow together through this and we can learn how to accept it together. And I can finally truthfully say, I, my life is perfect. And when people say, how is it perfect? I, I say, it's not despite my son, whose name is Zubin. It's not despite Zubin. It's because of Zubin, right? And, and that's when we connect back into our life. And that's profound. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and especially, you know, I was just thinking when you said this would be on Thanksgiving, you know, a day of gratitude. And again, people can think it's cheesy, but, you know, um, it's a day of connection. Yes. You know? And it's a day of bringing ourselves back into why are we here and what really matters? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and so I think that, you know, this idea of gratitude as a doorway to connection, because we know as, you know, as physicians, the statistics and the studies and the data that says that when you are lonely, it increases your risk of everything (laughs) pretty much. Right. I mean, I can name everything, but it increases your inflammation, your chronic inflammation and it increases every chronic illness that there is. And so we know that loneliness is, 
is a disease actually. It is, it's quite literally. And so it's been named an epidemic. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the time that we're in right now. Right. And so this idea of connection of, of healing through connection, but using gratitude as the doorway to connection, I think it's really, really profound, but let's get back to that. You know, one topic that you were bringing up about this idea that, you know, gratitude has gotten a lot of bad PR yeah. <laughs> because it's looked at as, you know, this sort of toxic positivity, which yeah. I, I hear that all the time from people. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest pieces of resistance that many, many students have or patients and clients have um, when I suggest gratitude as, as a healing modality. Yeah. There's a couple of layers to this for me, because I've been asked a lot um, through this last two years, you know, about what's the point of being grateful, right? Like, right. Um, there's just so much stuff in the world that is so uh, just alarming and scary. And what's the point? Mm-hmm. And I would say two things. One is that I don't think there's ever been a more important time for gratitude, that when we as People as humans, whether you're wanting to be in the world of healing or the world world of um, justice or, you know, whatever it is that you are in and you feel like you want to make a difference in the world, gratitude's never been more important because what gratitude does is allows us to see not only all of this scary, alarming, enraging things that are happening in the world. It allows us to see the beauty that stands by it and the beauty in us. And it allows us to recognize that we are sacred beings in this world and we can make a difference. But we can't even connect to that if we're just enveloped in the rage and the um, disgust. And I and I'm this is talking to someone who thinks anger is an important part of justice. So I'm not demeaning anger. I am saying that right next to anger and fear need to live hope and gratitude and that that's what makes us able to change the world. And not only that, but people will say, you know, it doesn't. I'm not grateful for um, for uh, racism. I'm not grateful for covid. I'm not great. And I say you don't need to be grateful for those things. What I'm asking is you find gratitude for what lies in the world and also what those things have taught you. Exactly. Because if your anger about the world has taught you that you want change, be grateful that you're so alive to the world that you know what you want, right? Mm-hmm. Be grateful for what you can be grateful for to open your heart. And because gratitude, was it, what it does is create spaciousness. You said it best when you said it's expansive. Mm-hmm. It creates spaciousness in our mind and hearts to hold much more than just the hard. It allows us to hold much more beauty and joy and difficulty. And when we can hold more of that, we're more human and we're more able to make change in the world. We're able to be better in the world for ourselves and for others. So this idea that gratitude is, you know, Just fake positivity, I think, is just our resistance to wanting to find what actually is meaningful about what is happening. Yeah, no, I think it's beautiful. I mean, just that image of the spaciousness, the space that it creates Mm -hmm. for all of the emotions, including hope, 
and gratitude and love, right? Because, and, and it's, yeah, it's so clear to me because when you don't have that space, there's only, I mean, there's only a little bit of space. And, and if all the, um, the sad and angry and fearful and, you know, those kinds of emotions fill up that little space, then there, you know, what do you do? Then, then you're sort of like, okay, well, I, I, I don't know how to do that, but you're saying create the space by using gratitude to create that space for, for more emotions, for the love and the joy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you know, better than anyone, um, you know, in Ayurveda, we're really familiar with how our thoughts produce energy and chemical messengers. And so all I'm saying is that we're having all those difficult thoughts. Why not put some thoughts that are molecules, emotional molecules that create messages of hope and love and joy in our heart as well? Why not balance those, right? Because our mind is primed to look at only the negative. That's how we've survived. It's, it's not a bad thing. It's just that our lens needs to widen. And gratitude allows us, like you said, to be a doorway to widen that lens, expand that space and allow us to hold so much more. You know, um, I have a gratitude community on Facebook is really beautifully supportive. And I was saying to them that, um, you know, something had happened with Zubin and I was really sad and also finding the gratitude in it. But it was uh, related to school, which mm-hmm. is always a little tough with him. And um, and I said to them, you know. The thing is that gratitude, what it allows me to do is hold all of this. Mm-hmm. It allows me to be more human, to, to be more alive. And that's what I wanted when I said, you know, what I wanted was to spiritually thrive. I just didn't want to numb to what life could offer me. And, and now my dreams are much bigger than I had held for him, right? My dreams were too small for him. They were of a mother's dreams of him going to college and getting married. I'm not saying those things aren't beautiful, but now my dreams for him are so much bigger. They're how many people can his story touch? How many ways can he send that ripple through the world, through me and through him and through all my family? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I tear up thinking about that because that is a dream I never held, right? Yeah. And so there are different ways that these thoughts can create different molecules of emotion for us, you know? So, so it's just about holding all of that. Yeah. And it's a lot of different things to hold at the same time. But, you know, I think this idea of, you know, turning away from our pain as a way to numb it, right? We're looking for all these ways to numb the pain. You know, this is, we talk about this a lot in, in integrative medicine of like, you know, what are the behaviors that besides the substances, but even the behaviors that we engage in on a daily basis to numb ourselves, whether it's scrolling on our phones or shopping or, you know, whatever it is. And I think some of the resistance, like you said, to gratitude is because, well, I just, I'm going to numb it. You know, I just want to I don't want to face it. I don't want to accept it. I don't want to see the gifts in it. And it's just easier sometimes to just do that. And I know that I was, I was doing that in a way too, you know, when I was faced with the challenges that both Zane and Isha were going through, I was like, well, I'll just take care of all of the to-dos. I can make a longer (laughs) to-do list because that's what I do. And I will take care of everything on there. But when it comes to really dealing with the pain that I'm feeling, I'm just going to, you know, like go along the surface 
numb myself out, not deal with it. Um, and I have found that like you, when I open myself up to seeing the gifts of their challenges and how much it was to teach me, I mean, I really took it very personally in the sense of this is, this is teaching me. I, I actually went to a very spiritual place of what are the sacrifices that my children are making to help me learn the lessons that I need to learn in this lifetime. Right. Right. And that was, that brought me to my knees when I finally really understood that because understanding it logically is one thing. And I think as, as doctors, as physicians, we're really good at that. And we yeah. spend our lives <laughs> studying and memorizing and all this stuff. And so it can all live up here, but it's not until it, you make that connection between your head and your heart that you truly understand these things. And so I could logically tell myself, oh yeah, my children are my teachers and blah, 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 blah. And oh yes, they are making these, you know, these sacrifices and kind of sort of logically go through the mental gymnastics of it. But it wasn't until I actually opened myself to the pain and said, thank you to it, that that connection was made for me. Yeah, yeah, oh, I'm right there with you. And um, and actually, you're making me think of something else is that um, in terms of this resistance and pain, um, I was just rewriting about this because, uh, oh, I haven't even because I'm writing a book. Amazing. I, I know. Wait. I'm so excited about it. And um, and I have a chapter about this in there. But this is um, another way, you know, that the day that we learned about Zubin's diagnosis was a day, you know, that I'll never forget ever in my life. And mm -hmm. um, my husband, Steve, and I were sitting on the porch and just our heads and our hands and our hearts on the ground and just, I mean, honestly, just in shock. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a point through all of that. We don't even know who said it anymore because it feels like some enlightened kind of thing <laughs> that came through us. But someone said, uh, well, first, because we were saying, why us? Why Zubin? Why this? And that's the, the resistance, right? Mm -hmm. And then one of us said, why not us? Yeah. And I even feel my body relaxing when I say that, because why not, Zubin? Why not me? Who are we to say that we are ex exonerated from suffering? And who are we to say that we cannot rise to meet this? And, you know, it, it's just a completely different, when we ask the right questions or say the right words, we can actually create an embodied feeling that allows us to recognize our true innate capacity to heal. It doesn't happen in that one instant. It doesn't happen immediately, but the igniting of it is there, right? And so this way of, you know, just letting ourselves surrender and people think surrendering is giving up right? Like if you surrender that your son is dying, you're giving up. Actually, no. When I surrender into it, then I was able to start a foundation to find a cure. I was able to start supporting him better. I was able to love him more fully mm -hmm. because I wasn't in complete resistance all the time. It, it's a big difference. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's profound of the idea of why not us? I actually... I, I, we must've read it in the same place and I don't know where I read it or who said it to me or what, but I, I often say that, you know, when, when I'm feeling 
really down about something. And especially those, those days with the kids when they were really going through, you know, hard days, tough days, I would say, why me? Why, why Isha? Why Zane? Why do they have to suffer like this? And then I would flip it around and say, well, why not? Why not them? What's so special about me or Zane or Isha that we shouldn't have an experience of pain and suffering? It's okay. Why not us? And, and I was able to find some small glimmer of solace, like a little doorway to go through with some light shining through, you know? And I found that, you know, it was also this resistance to the pain in the sense of like, why do they even have to feel the pain? Right. Yeah. And, and trying again, that like sort of list making self of my, of me, of, of saying, okay, what can I do to take away the pain? How can I make things easier for them? What can I do? What can I do? And like trying to find every solution and trying to, you know, almost like take away their like feelings of, of negative emotions at all, because I didn't want them to feel the pain. And I, at some point also realized that who am I to do that? Like, Mm. what am I trying to do? It's not my place to try and take away someone else's pain or even to try. And, um, I don't like, and I like, I don't like using the word heal because I know that's not me. It's coming through me, but you know, it, it transformed how I even work with other people, with students and patients and clients, right. Is that I have let go of this idea that I can fix anything for them. All I can do is help them see what's in front of me, what I can see for them and hope that it, it helps them in some way. Right. So I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm not even making any sense right now, but no, no, I think, I think you're totally right. And I also think that when we think about things in these different ways, it further cements that connection to all of humanity that, that we all suffer. We Mm -hmm. all have pain and we all have the inner capacity to get through it and to be resilient. And some of our inner capacity are more recognizable than other. We know miracle stories of people who, you know, can, I mean, you know, I'm not Nelson Mandela or, you know, I mean, I can go through a list of people, but we all have what they have. And they're like our mirrors to show us that, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think when, I think what you're saying makes such sense. Yeah. And so this idea that you can possibly take away someone's pain is just, it's not true. You know, I feel like, you know, I was talking to a group yesterday, teaching them about Ayurveda and, and I was telling them something about, you know, in Western culture, this idea that, you know, more is better or, you know, or even talking about yoga and how it's been changed and in, in that it's all about exercise, things like that. Right. And I, I talk about these issues on this podcast all the time. So, you know, all of you listeners know my perspective on this, but I think that this is another one of those things. That, oh, I know what it was. It was about balance, this idea that somehow we can magically achieve balance. It's like this nonsense that we've all yeah. been sold. Right. And so people are totally stressed out all the time about getting balanced. What the hell is that? Right. Right. And so I think it's also this idea that somehow your pain can go away. Yeah. Completely. You know, 
I think that and, and the medical community has created this, you know, idea too in in many ways. Like take this pill, your pain will, pain will go away, or you know, do the surgery and this your pain will go away. Even people in in wellness and integrative medicine sometimes go there too. And there's no magic anything to take right. away pain. Right. Right. I, I really agree with that. And and it's like it puts us on this. Uh, basically a self-defeating quest all the time if we're looking for that. Because what we're looking for is to say, when I'm in whatever state I'm in, what can I learn from it? And how can I also breathe in the ease and the joy when it comes to help hold the pain and challenge when it arises, right? And, um, oh, I like the way I said that. Anyway, um, (laughs) it's this idea that, you know, we are only human if we feel all of it. I mean. And so that way of connecting us back to humanity, that we're all here to be together in joy and in pain. And when we can connect to each other like that, it, it, it really reduces the misery. Yeah. It's like holding the space for all. It's not a either or, but it's, it's an and, right? Yeah. The joy and the pain, the, the resistance and the acceptance, right? Yes you know, accepting that you're going to have resistance. And then how can you, how can you uh, shift into acceptance? Right. Because I think, again, it's really important to to say again, that it's not like we're saying that this is really easy right. <laughs> you know, saying, saying thank you to your pain and your suffering is easy. It's not at all. Cause then it becomes that toxic positivity, which is not at all what we're trying to say. I think it's just that it's, if I'm understanding, you're saying that it's, it's a, it's a doorway to that gratitude is a doorway to connection to others, to the world, to self, yeah, to your pain. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, I definitely, I'm glad you're making that point. So people don't think this is easy because you're able to hear us speak about it, you know, after we've wrestled with it, Mm -hmm. but, um, I can't promise it's easy. In fact, I can promise it's challenging, (laughs) but what I can promise is that if you accept the journey of trying this, that you will feel bliss like you've never felt before. And you'll still feel pain. I can't take that away. But it's matched by also this this knowing and living of a joy that is I never felt. And, you know, I've been clinically depressed. I've been sad a lot in my lives. I've been all of that. And I've been happy, but I realize now that my happiness prior to this was conditional. It was conditional on an outcome and it was never true joy. I honestly, before Zubin, never felt true joy. And that's after feeling the worst pain I thought my heart could bear. Yeah. But that's the point. Yeah. It opens it up. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like, it's almost like a frequency wave, right? If you're just comfortably, and you guys can't see me with my hand (laughs) motions, but you know, if you're just like kind of mosing along at that comfortably numb sort of middle place, right? You're not feeling emotions of joy and happiness and love or of pain and fear and suffering and anger, right? You're, You're not really feeling any of those. And it's only when you allow yourself to go through these ups and downs, like sort of making that bigger, like sign curve almost, of course, I'm like geeking out of it. I right. think of it in scientific terms, but you know, those waves of up and down that 
you actually are truly alive. Exactly. Right? Which is the whole point of being on earth as humans. <laughs> we came back to be alive. Otherwise, like, what's the point? Right? right? And, the, and the way you're describing people who are moseying along, I really feel for them because they're the ones who maybe um, usually come in my office and yeah. feel devoid of meaning and yes. purpose and yeah. that things are just not what they thought it would be. Right. And, and there's this, you know, I always, you know, kind of joke with the resonance that most of what I see in my exam room is spiritual deficiency syndrome, because it's <laughs> just like this lack of being able to enter into the heart so that we can feel more of the good as well. Right. And, right. um, and it's such a, I'm not, you know, we're not inviting people into an easy task here, but it is worth trying. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a journey that will drop you to your knees over and over and over again. I feel like even now, as I'm talking about it in like the past tense, it still is there. And I, and I'm down on my knees a lot, you know, yeah. with the next challenge, the next challenge. But the difference is, is that I'm actually feeling and yeah. that I feel more alive than I ever have in my life. You know, I think that, you know, that's, there's something, there's, there's a huge gift in that. Yeah. Um, it's painful and tough, but it's, from my experience, it's, it's totally worth it. Totally worth it. So let me ask you one more question. Cause I know we're almost at time, but gosh, time flies fast. I know we could keep talking. <laughs> You know, I would love to know, you know, we started with your childhood and, you know, sort of and a theme has been of sort of, you know, grappling with our identities as, as South Asian brown women, first generation immigrants, pushing away the medicine we grew up with and going after Western medicine and then coming back to what we knew all along. But what's one thing that you would tell your younger self? What, what piece of advice would you give her? I would have so many for her. I'd be like, we need to sit down. We need to have a talk. <laughs> but um, I think the biggest thing I would say is to just to recognize the beauty that you walk in. Because I really didn't recognize it. I spent so much time really wishing I was something else. Mm. Now. Now that I can see my beauty and now that I can see my magnificence, I just look back at her and I think, oh, you just couldn't see it, mm. you know? And I just, I hope, I hope that, you know, I always hope this for my children too, but it's just hard. Um, I want them to see their beauty, right? See all the power they have, but I wish yeah. I could go back and tell her that. Yeah. Thank you. Can I ask you a couple of speed round questions at the end? So sure. people can get to know you in a different way. Yeah. Okay. So complete the sentence. Gratitude is. Medicine. Yeah. What is one myth about healing that we need to change? That it comes from someone else or something else. Hmm. What's something that most people get wrong about you? <laughs> uh, they think I only eat healthy and have good <laughs> thoughts all the time. <laughs> yep, I get that all the time. I'm like, are you kidding? No way. 
What is one thing that you're really excited about right now? Well, I'm excited right now about this talk, actually. <laughs> but what I'm also excited about is, um, and, and we don't have time to get into it, but I'm really excited about and my new foray into psychedelic medicine. And so that's where my career is going now. And I'm really excited about it. And I'm so excited about it. I've already told you that we're doing another full episode on that <laughs> because this is the future of medicine. I mean, it's not the future. I mean, it's always been there. But for millennia. Yes, yes, for millennia. But we're, we're discovering it, rediscovering it in a different way. So I'm so, I'm so excited to talk to you about that. So we will do that. Uh, in the next few months, for sure. Yeah. Um, what's something that you're deeply grateful for? Mm -hmm. I'm deeply grateful, and I'm and I'm not just saying this. I'm deeply grateful for all the pain that my children have gone through because it has taught me more about myself than I ever could have learned on my own. Honestly, I'm yeah. deeply grateful. And the other one thing I have to say that I'm. I am deeply grateful for my partner, for my husband, who I, um, you know, I never, I never knew I could be with someone who could allow me to be more of who I am, that actually being with him allows myself to radiate brighter. It's, it's just a beautiful thing. I wish that for everyone. Mm, so beautiful. So this feels like a really good place to sort of round out our beautiful time together on this episode because we will do another <laughs> one. So if I offer up the phrase to catalyze healing, what comes up for you? Oh, what comes up for me when I think to catalyze healing, I think we must be able to be in our bodies, mm -hmm. that we must be able to feel completely uh, embodied and understand the messages that are coming from our body and also be able to send messages to our body to catalyze healing. Beautiful. Then me, thank you so much for being with me mm, and for doing this, was this with so me. fun. Yeah. Such a pleasure. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Thank you so much. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way, you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. And if you're feeling really inspired, please leave a review so that others can find this podcast more easily. If you want to learn more, visit me on the interwebs at avantikumarsingh.com, and you can subscribe to my newsletter, where I send exclusive invites to my events, special announcements, and give you more self-healing tools and tips. And if you want to hang out even more with me, I spend most of my time on Instagram. You can find me at Avanti Kumar Singh, and we can connect more there. Until next time, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing, because healing starts within. <laughs>